Do you hear that? That's the sound of the background noise Halloween special, and it's starting right now. You're listening to Background Noise. I'm Tora. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Words cannot describe how excited I am for today's show. I've had this marked on my calendar for a while. We're sitting down here with Empanadas Ilegales. They're really awesome Latin band from Vancouver. So I will let you guys introduce yourself, give me your shtick, tell me a little bit about the band. Uh, well, first of all, Tora, thank you so much for having us on the show. We're so thrilled to be here with you and uh, share a little bit about our story and uh, Empanadas Ilegales. And speaking right now is Jaime Milan. Guitar. I'll let the other guys jump in as well. Sounds good. Uh, I'm Daniel Hernandez, and uh, I'm the bassist, uh, an occasional percussionist, and kind of a trippy sound uh, management on occasion. <laughs> so I'm Alonso, Alonso Benavente, and um, I play the drums uh, and all the syncopated weirdness you hear throughout the album <laughs> and percussion. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then to end up, uh, I'm Ricardo Perez, uh, and I play the guitar as well, and do vocals and uh, all the trippy effects and trippy songs that not everybody can hear on the actual records yet, but uh, if you come to see us live, you will uh, understand what everything means. Awesome. And see, I like that you guys mentioned that you do the trippy small sounds, because as we listen... You're going to hear a lot of that, and that is something that really turned me on to you guys right away, is just all the layers that you guys have in your sound. Like, it's so much fun to listen to. Every time I listen, I feel like I hear something different, and, like, it's it's so hard to describe how much fun the music is, so I'm so excited to listen to it and talk about it. But yeah, how long have you guys been a band and how long have you been playing music for? Uh, we have been playing, I feel like for quite a while, uh, maybe around four years now. Uh, both playing around uh, Panas Ilegales, but also kind of our beginnings of what brought us to be us together. Playing around in different projects and different types of things. I think Danny has some ideas around how it started. And everything, so I'm going to pass it over to Danny. Yeah, no, I... In line with that, you know, I think we started probably around like 2017, 2018, but, uh, you know, initially we, we all, you know, met much before that. And, uh, we initially, you know, uh, met as just friends and eventually got into some more jams, um, and just kind of more freeform stuff. Uh, I think we always connected over the love of, of Latin music and dancing, uh, and experimentation. So, um, I think, yeah, just like at a, at a high level, that's, how, how it all got started, you know. Yeah, I, I, I remember very, very clearly how when I, I, I arrived to Vancouver in 2015 and uh, Danny was my brother, my older brother's roommate and then that's how I met him and then little by little we all started meeting each other and we were more of a jam band. Uh, we would do these events on uh, Danny's house and then my brother's house that was called La Casa del Ritmo, which means the rhythm house. We would always host parties and events and jams, and then little by little, we realized that the people that were always there in the jam was the four of us, uh, and then a lot of other musicians would come in and out, come in and out. And then back in that day, we were playing blues and rock and sonic scales and all that, uh, no common stuff that sounded good and was easy to improvise to and to play to. 
uh, and little by little we evolved uh, to the point where we had some other people inviting us to play in their own house parties. Nothing too serious at that point. It was only like literally, oh, you play at this house party. For fun, yeah. And, and we started to connect with each other uh, until we decided to take the, the next stage or the next step towards what we really wanted to do. And we realized we all have a super deep passion for music, even though none of us were really musicians at all. We all had different career paths. And that's kind of how it started, I think. It's kind of funny to think, I think you, Danny, and Richie discovered me in a way that I, I drum because I don't think anybody knew that I played drums. Yeah. You were <laughs> a guitar player like me. We used to jam guitars and stuff. And then I had my personal project that Alonso played the drums and then we exploited Alonso ever since. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I've always played music since I can remember. But I was, I mainly started guitar and, uh, I play a bunch of other stuff, but then on secret, I guess, I started learning the drums, but just kind of for myself and not, not serious at all. <laughs> yeah, we basically forced Alonso to become a drummer. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about your latest album, The Creepy Mambo. And I always like to pick off my favorite song first to talk about. I'll need help with the... Spanish pronunciation, but El Hangover. Uh, how do we pronounce that one properly? Chuchaki, yeah. Gotcha. I just... Chuchaki, it's... Chuchaki is a, an Ecuadorian word. Uh, me and Alonso, we're from Ecuador. Um, and it's the word for hangover. So whenever it's, it's, it comes from Quechua, which is our the native language from Ecuador. And yeah, it literally just means crazy hangover. So when you wake up and you're like, Oh, Dios, que chuchaki tengo, it's kind of, that's the idea. That's awesome. You know what, because honestly, you, I feel like you really captured the feeling of a hangover, especially at that, like, five and a half minute mark, where you just go into that, like, kind of spin. Like, you captured the spins in sound, and I, when I heard that for the first time, I was like, wow, oh my god, and I actually just restarted the song and listened to it again. I was like, this is Awesome. So I will spin that one in a couple minutes. But why don't you tell me a little bit about that song, writing that song, writing the vibe of that song? Uh, so, so, do you want to get us started on that one? Yeah. Yeah. So that song is actually funny enough, like Chuchaki being like a Quechua or Quechua, more specifically, word from the Andes region. It's also this song. It's one of the first songs I think I've ever learned in guitar. It's a traditional Afro-Ecuadorian song. And there's this valley called the Valley of the Chota, the Valle del Chota, which is by the Chota River. And it's like this valley famous for having this very specific concentration of uh, Afro-Ecuadorian population, which created a whole like genre, which is called Bomba, which... I guess in English means bomb, but it, it, I don't think it has anything really, any relation to that. I think it actually no, it comes doesn't. from the Bantu culture because these were slaves from, from the Congo. I think they were brought by Jesuits. I can really back in the day for mining and for, uh, other kinds of forms of, uh, sadly exploitation, you know, from that, those times. But this song, uh, I think was, it's like the most famous bomba song 
which I think was written by Patricio Viveros from, I think it's this group called Marabu. And I think the group that plays it in the recording is very famous. It's called Poder Negro, which is black, black power, actually, like literal translation. And um, I remember learning this as a kid. Back when, when I, I didn't really like much uh, folklore music from Ecuador, I was more into rock because I was very ignorant. <laughs> and um, But my, my guitar teacher insisted on teaching me this. And it kind of stuck with me forever. And I remember just being with the guys and just thinking about like, oh, what's a song we could jam of or, or something that we could take as a standard and just kind of develop it further. And so I showed them the song and that's kind of how it happened. I showed them the song, some other versions that exist, and then we kind of made our own version out of it. Mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. What, one thing I'd love to point out is when we started playing this song, we kind of took the song as is, like by these guys, Poder uh, Negro. And if you listen to that later, you'll notice it's way faster than what you have on the album recording. And that's how we used to play it, actually. And then when we were now talking about Creepy Mambo and, and the recording of the album, um, I remember it was the, the second night, uh, we were the second day, long days, like 16 hours in the studio, just like going song after song after song, and we were wiped out. Uh, it was like past midnight, we're dead, ready to call it quits for the day. And we went outside to get some fresh air, and we're like, ah, let's just try one last thing before we close the session for the day. And it wasn't even pl planned to, to appear on the album, it's just like a side track that we just jam sometimes for fun sometimes we play it as an encore type of thing uh, but we said let's play it but let's play rebajada which is something that's very typical for vinyls to kind of like slow it down and play half speed type of thing let's just try playing it half speed and see what comes out and we just said larry hit record larry was the guy in the engineer in the studio with us and we just sent it and what you hear on the studio recording and the album, that's our first take, first try. That's what came out. And then we heard it and we're like, this is good. All right. This is good. Let's go with it. And it kind of just evolved into that. But it was super organic how it, the speed and the essence of the song, the feel, the drums and the bass line, it was just something that came up on the spot. And yeah, that's, that's a gem in that, that song. And, and I think in post, we also added some effects to the drums, like dub-inspired dub to some of the timbale hits in some parts and some other craziness, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, it was a flow. We just went with the flow and we created our own version of something amazing. Uh, I, I think, yeah, it was, it was a little bit uh, of a... Con, con, controversial song I guess for us as a band figuring out is like oh is it is it really worth it is it really something that is ready to be live or not and then we just thought about it and then we we're like yeah let's just let's just bring it out you know like we made our, our own we put our own color and passion into it it was the most a uh, legit like feeling song that we have in the album is the song that we actually just played for feeling versus the other ones were all super rehearsed and and tight, you know? And just to add a final comment on that, uh, as Ricardo mentioned, there was a lot of debate whether they should make it on the album or not, because 
I mean, to be honest, it's not perfect. It was a one take, something we improvised right there on the spot. But because the song is The Hangover and Chuchaki, like, it kind of fit. It made sense that it's not perfect. You know, where ah, it's like this craziness going on. And yeah, that's the essence of the song, The Hangover. So, that's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, <laughs> similar to what you said, Tora, it kind of lives, lives up to the namesake. You know, you mm -hmm. can feel the, the spins and I'm sure, uh, you know, People listening, the mistakes will, as well. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully be able to get that feeling across. I honestly, that the story that you guys just gave me about the song just made the song eight hundred times better. I honestly, like, I'm so glad it made it onto the album. I love so much more mm -hmm. that it was a single take. You guys didn't even know if you wanted to put it on. Like that in itself does embody the song. So I am so stoked for the listeners to hear it. Let's spin it right away. Enough talk. Let's do it.
You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. We're back. I'm sitting down here with some of the coolest dudes I've definitely sat down with. I'm having so much fun. We're with the Empanadas Illegales Latin band from BC. Now, we were talking about your latest album, Creepy Mambo. You told me a great story about The Hangover. I want to talk more about the album itself because it does definitely have a Creepy Mambo kind of vibe to it. Um, Were you guys going for a concept album? Is that just how it happened? Tell me a little bit about that and uh, we'll spin some more songs from it after. Yeah, you take this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's a really good question. Uh, Or I think in terms of, you know, it definitely did not start off as a concept album by any means, I think. Uh, it was definitely more of an organic sound that got started and uh, was just developed, you know, naturally. And eventually we, we got to a point where we're trying to kind of explain uh, the sound and trying to, to, to find a, a word or kind of a concept to describe it. Um, you know, the little bit of the jankiness around the salsa and cumbia rhythms and the experimental kind of sound around it and almost like a, a creepy vibe, <laughs> if you want to. If you will, um, and I think actually Alonso, the, our drummer, was was the guy on a, who, who coined that term. You know, we were just having a chat, and he's like, out of the blue, he, he just says, "Hey guys, I think I think what we're playing is is creepy mambo." And it was just it was just this moment. It was just this moment where we were all kind of like quiet and looked at each other, and it's like, okay, I guess that's the name of the album then. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. Yeah. I, I I remember a lot the way. In, we would always, because Alonso, of course, is the, the, the percussion master and the, the beat master. And we've always been, since the first album, we were focused on cumbias. And we've all always loved salsa. And we've been playing around this idea between cumbia and salsa and all of this stuff. And in the second album, we are kind of at a level in which we could actually start playing some salsa by, our, by ourselves, right? And uh, we would constantly be asking Alonso, what is this? And then I would be like, on the microphone, no, this is a cumbia, this is a salsa, this is a mambo, this is that and that. And then Alonso, of course, would be the one who uh, corrected us. And then eventually it happened like Danny said, he's like, oh, this is a creepy mambo. And then it just kind of resonated with all of us and it, and it exploded. But yeah, Alonso was the, 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 the guy who kind of understood all of these things and also in, in many senses enabled us to be able to play these type of songs for the second album, which you can kind of find the difference between the first and the second. I'm sure he can talk to, to the rhythmic side of that. And yeah, uh, I guess to, to, first, to kind of explain what first what the album is, I guess for me, in a way, it's like this document of us in Vancouver trying to like revisit just the memory of growing up in South America. That's kind of how I describe it. And also clashing with the sort of like culture of Vancouver, which is sort of Halloween-esque in a way, I I feel. Yeah, Halloween is huge in Vancouver. It's huge in Vancouver. And for us, it's like the most close it is to like, like the folkloric type of parties that happen in South America. It's like that that whole Halloween is like the most close to it. And... But of course, there is this globalized like rock sound that we hear there because it's North America. But there's also a lot of like jazz going on in the city, hip hop, 
and R&B, which is all like effects heavy. And so I think we, we, we're trying to homogenize just like all of these sounds for the city and give like the city kind of like a, uh, this kind of musical document of, uh, of an identity of like the, of maybe a new kind of Latin proposition, <laughs> Latin sound to it, yeah. you know? And we call it psychedelic cumbia and salsa, I guess, in that case. Which, uh, and, and psychedelic cumbia has been already a thing in, from Peru, from the Amazon. And there's other, other genres of, of psychedelic cumbia, like chicha, which is more Andes based. But, um, I think also like with creepy mambo, it, to me, and I don't know what the other guys would say, but to me, it feels like sort of like a Tarantino movie or like a B movie kind of vibe where it's like, you know, you have the women in the cover. It's like, it's like, uh, it's raw. it's raw and cheap, but, but in a purposeful way. Because that's how kind of things feel in Vancouver, you know. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. And I think the, the idea of also like the sound of Creepy Mambo is, is inspired, I think, mainly on these two songs that we cover in the album, which are La Danza del Vampiro and Lamento de un Galax, which was shown to us by a dear friend called Stephanie Duran. She's like an artist and writer and, um, and also animator from Vancouver. And she showed us these two songs from Peru from the 70s that just have this particular Halloween vibe to it. And I don't think there's any other songs from any time or any place that have that specific sound. And so we yeah. kind of uh, worked on more developing that idea, you know? Well, at the other... beginning... Yeah. No, go, sorry, sorry. But yeah, at the beginning when... Uh... It was more of a of an idea, like okay, we release our first album. Uh, we're playing some couple of shows here and there, but we need to have new material, and we wanted to start playing around with these uh, things that we were finding, right? And then, as as Alonso was saying, we made these couple of songs, and they really embodied the idea of the creepiness. And we weren't even looking for it, but it kind of just found us. So then we started playing them, and kind of we loved it. And little by little, we started changing them at the same time. Like we were basing ourselves a lot on them and it was of course like a full-on tribute to them but then we were always like we have to put our own twist our own color and our own flavor and then eventually little by little as we wrote every other song in the album we kind of transformed into the creepy mambo and it became this creepy vibe that it just sounds really strong now in Vancouver, it's been really really fun to play it throughout the summer yeah you know that's awesome that you actually mentioned the Danza del Vampiro, which in English is, would that be the dance of the vampire? Yes. Right. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you about that song as well. I also really enjoyed it because it, it did have that spooky Halloween vibe that I, I didn't even pick up until now, which is great timing because Halloween is just around the corner. But I, I didn't know that that was uh, a cover. Can you tell me a little bit more about the, the original? Sure. Uh, that one's played by this band called Sonido Verde de Moyobamba, which Moyobamba is a city, is like the capital, I think, from the, the San Martin region, I believe, in Peru, which is in the Amazon. And, uh, like the, that region of the Amazon is like historical for having bands such as like Los Wemblers, 
And anybody that knows like about like psychedelic cumbia knows like their names. They're like the godfathers of the genre, let's say. And so they're around. They're from the same kind of movement and time and place. But I think this is just their most famous song, and I because I don't really know any other ones <laughs> in particular. And there's also this. There's a really good band called Sonido Masonico, which is means Amazonian sound that actually covers that song and 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 Lamento de un Galax too. But what I think what I love about what we did and overall Ricardo and Jaime did for those two songs is that they they built on top of them the, the original composition, they extended in Dancer Pantiro Vampiro, they extended this whole new solo section to it. Which I think is amazing. And then on also on Galax, we extended it into this full on jam at the end, which I think for us, our goal in a way, or what maybe not consciously, but what I've been seeing is that I think for us, like the creepy mambo is, is a genre, let's say it's like taking these old like Latin psychedelic standards. It seems like we're mostly gathering from Peru and Ecuador from the Pacific region and Colombian inspiration too. And just, playing the structures of the music as jazz standards. So when we play live, we can have musicians come over wind instruments and just improvise over it. And so a lot of the music is organized around, like, which is also why it's instrumental, because we, we think of it as like jam tunes or jazz tunes, except they're like this Latin psychedelic thing that every time you come see us live, it'll be different. Well, because also, it might be another musician or another energy that they. Yeah, and and also for us, it it plays a big part in the sense of how we write the music in terms of like we we have certain inspirations about these standards that we're playing to, but we're all constantly trying to change the rule, change the the, the solo, change the the melody, do this, do that, and then things start happening all the time, right? That's how it kind of evolves uh, from the, from those original points. Uh, of, I guess, inspiration in that sense. So that, as Alonso is saying, every time we play live, if you come to see us, it's always going to vary. Now that we're incorporating vocal and other things, it's always going to change as well. We put our color in, like, we have all the modulations and effects and, 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 and all of these different things that generate this new type of style that comes out from these, from these kind of idea that we want to preserve, right? We want to be able to preserve, um, the, the, the notion of where it comes from. We want to know that it was coming from our roots, from Ecuador, from Peru, from Colombia, from uh, Argentina as well, from everywhere. Uh, in our, in our uh, holistic band, we have people in Brazil, in like, uh, from all over South, South America. And then, yeah, something that Alonso was playing, uh, or like touching bass with is at the end of the song, you do hear this little break. And then we go into another melody that is kind of like a guitar solo uh, with some saxophone. That was a super organic way of me and Jaime being like, okay, we need to put a little bit more color here, a little bit more color there. And I remember one day after the the rehearse that we had, me and him stayed over a little bit longer. And we we're like, okay, what are we going to do? And we just started playing some stuff. Jaime had a little little beginning of a riff that we both learned. And we organically made it. And it was crazy. In half an hour, Maybe 45 minutes, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, Yeah, no. Uh, we came up with a whole solo and it was insane. We were just like looking at each other like, what the hell just happened? Like, what is yeah. this? Right this uh, I'd love to elaborate a bit on that. So 
as as I also mentioned, it's kind of a cover, and then the first two rounds of the song, the first one's like authentic, clean. Then the second round, we add this like weird modulated guitar that gives it kind of like that creepy essence. And then the third lap is where this like new part comes in, which is like the solo type thing. And when we were writing that, Ricardo and I, I, I had the Allman Brothers kind of in my mind where like, it's like two guitars making together a single voice type of thing. And that was the idea. It's like we have two guitars working making together love. melodically to, yeah, making love and uh, writing this beautiful line that then explodes at the end and pulls it back together. So, yeah. Beautiful. I, again, <laughs> no, like I'm, I just keep, I keep thinking about the songs while I'm also really excited for the listeners to listen to this one. So without further ado, let's do that one.
You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. And that was Luna Modular. We are listening to uh, Empanadas Ilegales here. I'm having so much fun with you guys. I hope the listeners are as well. Now, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that song in particular. Why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you, Tora. Uh, well, Luna Modular, I believe, I'll speak for myself, I think it's one of the best songs in our, in our new album, uh, possibly one of the catchiest, uh, but it, it holds a special place in our heart, how it all came together. We, obviously, we're, we have the band Instagram, and one of the accounts we follow for the band Instagram is this account from this guy in Colombia called Don Alirio, and uh, this guy, he's like a vinyl DJ somewhere we don't know but he he shares like he just plays captures of his turntable playing he's in a barranquilla colombia barranquilla there we go uh where shakira's from right uh anyway he plays <laughs> little you know snippets of uh his turntable playing obscure vinyls and this one day just randomly i came across one post and it was this song called uh, La Luna Caraqueña. So it's like the the moon from Caracas, Venezuela, right? This is a this is a salsa standard. And this one version, there's hundreds of versions of this song, right? Uh, this one version that Don Alivio shared, I got obsessed with this little lick, this little line in it, how it started. And I kind of learned it. And I came to band practice with the guys. I was like, yo, guys, check this out. And... We, we digged it and then it just kind of evolved from there. We, from that initial kind of link, we made new parts and new sections and then the break where the creepy section comes in, which is something we try to do in every song. We have like more like the melodic section and then the creepy or in techno, you have the drop, right? And in, in Luna Modular specifically, it's, it's very noticeable where you have like the pretty melody and where it gets like weird heavy and saxophone starts going nuts and yeah that's that's the essence of the song i don't know if you guys want to add anything else yeah uh i will everything that Jaime said i i, I agree with uh, it came into the studio and it was like pure fire and then it kind of came up to all of us we kind of all started bringing our, our own parts our own feelings our own thoughts into it and in that specific song is very interesting to see how both guitars play with each other because we are often changing uh, ranges. So I start doing, or in that case, Jaime starts doing the lower end and then I start doing the higher end and then we kind of change and then we change again and change again and change again all the time. And then it, that makes this feeling of, of, of kind of ongoing development of the song that just has a lot of power. And yeah, the creepy mambo, as Jaime is saying, is just part of, part of that song that we all love. To, to build on that, I, I like that point. I think there is no there is no clear lead guitarist in the band uh, because the Garlo and I were always kind of like we're handing over each other that that kind of pedestal front seat on the guitar. We're we're sharing that all the time, and you can you can hear kind of his style and my style are very different, and you can almost tell when each one of them. I mean, you won't know, but you can hear that difference in like. The way the, 
guitars expressing, but we're always kind of doing that. They complement each other. Yeah, it's like, it's very much a conversation and a dialogue, not so much the, the lead guitar and the one that follows. It's we're just kind of doing that all the time. Well, now when I'm listening to it, I'm going to try to listen to here for when I can tell if there's guitar changes. Because that's just one more layer we can listen to. And as I mentioned before, that's one of my favorite th things about your songs is all the layers. And you've mentioned a couple times now, the beautiful saxophone. What one of you guys plays the saxophone? Well, so saxophone is the fifth uh, ghost in, in, integrant of the band or, or member of the band. Uh, his name is Tobias Soleil. He's from Brazil, uh, Bucaramanga. And no. he's an absolute genius. Uh, yes, I think. Uh, he's an absolute genius. Uh, he's a... Uh, just to add to that, because some, some listeners may be confused uh, the location, but Tobias is actually from Sao Paulo, Brazil, but he has this kind of alter ego um, called Tolito, and he he's... Uh, nationalized Colombian from Bucaramanga and so he kind of fluctuates between these two personas uh, and uh, and he really is able to you know adapt and, and be super versatile he is uh, in fact you know one of um, good friends of mine I think uh, I, I had originally met him uh, probably like eight years ago and uh, I thought that you know definitely had to have a, a saxophone uh, join into the band uh, I was really inspired by some Colombian uh, musicians such as Michi Sarmier, Sarmiento from Cartagena, uh, who played with like Joe Arroyo and a lot of the um, the groups um, from the Colombian coast that started kind of uh, changing from the big band setting into smaller groups, uh, incorporating saxophone. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, when we were recording that first album, um, I think I had reached out to, to, to Bias and really tried to get him on board to, to join and, and add a, a horn into, into the sound. And, He's just a, an incredible uh, jazz saxophone player primarily, but uh, he also really enjoys, you know, cumbias and salsas, and uh, and that's how that's how we eventually joined. Brazilian music. Yeah, and of course Brazilian music. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's how he, he initially joined the band, and uh, you know, he's now immortalized on on our recordings, first and, and second album. And he will I'd be say, on all the next yeah. albums as well. But yeah, he yeah. Is, he's. Also working with a lot of other projects all the time, but uh, we have always kind of talked about how the core of Las Empanadas Ilegales are the four of us uh, that, that are here in the meeting. And then we have, because generally we, we, we've played ranging from four piece to 13 piece to seven piece to nine piece, you know, like going back and forth with different types of uh, additions to the band. And Tobias has always been one of the most important ones. So uh, in some of the photo shoots and most of our concerts and most of everything, he's always present. But at the same time, he's fully-fledged musician and he's an insanely talented musician. So he has, of course, many times other things uh, to do so he can always form the same, like, to the same level that we do. So... He's the fifth empanada illegal officially, as well as everybody that plays with us. Young, they're all amazing, insanely talented musicians. We we've had a chance to play with other amazing saxophone players like Abraham Yacomán, who's like this amazing composer and just a genius from Mexico. And also currently we've been playing a lot with Gordy. What's Gordy's last name? I forget. 
Gordon is his name. I don't remember his last name either, but he's oh, an insane jazz. We're so sorry, Gordon. <laughs> a musician. Uh, he recorded a video with us that is going to come out soon and recorded a couple of other events and shows that he's been playing with us. And it's absolutely crazy. And it's part of the essence of us that you're going to feel different colors and different feelings every time you hear us, every time you see us play live, every time we record a different piece of the same song. It's just part of the illegal side of Los Empanadas. Yeah, apologies, Gordy, that uh, we don't know your last name, but you know we can definitely plug in your Instagram. Find him as Gordy Smurf on IG. He's crazy guy. <laughs> really wild saxophone player. Honestly, Real quite deep. wild. Yeah. Exactly. One thing I do want to say about Tobias, Tobias Solid. If you are in the Vancouver music scene, you've seen him play. I think he's probably the most coveted saxophone player in the entire city. I've never, I haven't seen anybody played with so many people all across genres. Just everybody knows him. And he kind of knows everybody and he's like, a weird person, a true weird person, right? Put him in the piano and guitar and percussion. He's just really, really good. We like to call him uh, he busts a lot as well. We like to call him the Jimi Hendrix in the streets. He's, he's just that good. He's insane. Tobias, Tobias is insane. But I guess while we're talking about uh, guest musicians, we can't end this little segment without mentioning uh, Sanguito and uh, Miles as well. Yeah, definitely. So, Sanguito is uh, the conga player. I would like to call him now our official conga player on the band. Uh, he recorded the second album with us. The first one, we didn't have the pleasure of working with him yet. But he has his own project for cumbias as well that is called Los Duendes. He leads that project and it's an amazing project. We've always loved it. Uh, and he's always been to support us. We're, we've always been to support him. He's originally from Canada. But he has probably more of a Latin soul than all of us puts together. And he just massive. He plays the congas and percussions amazingly well. And he's always there, like, mainly just with the energy, with the power, helping us pull through things, helping us get everything together. And big ups to you, Sanguito. I love you, man. We all do. Uh, thank you for being part of our music. And then, just to close it up really quick, Miles is actually Sanguito's brother who is this Vancouverite percussion legend, uh, which, long story short, we never ever thought he would be down to play a set with us. Yeah. And for the past year, he's been playing every single set that Sanguito cannot make it. He plays it, and he's super down to do it. He's killed it so many times by now. We play with him maybe over 10 times live, and it's been a real treat to be with those guys. Uh, I would dare to say... And Miles Bigelow. Yeah, I would dare to say Miles is potentially the best percussionist in the city. He's That's what I've been hearing <laughs> from other Truly people. a legend. It's an honor. It's an honor to play with the Bigelows, both the Miles Bigelos. and Sanguito. Um, we're very lucky. Real geniuses. Yeah. But uh, we we uh, digress. That's far. I know you had asked us about saxophones. I were talking about the entire, entire <laughs> you know, team here, so... You know, hopefully that, that answered your question. Honestly, no, it was so awesome. I I love that you have so many people in your band. That is something I really enjoy about jazz. I've noticed a lot about, like, the Latin music as well. Um, when I did my Life in the Tribe episode with hip-hop, too, 
I love the music that involves a whole group of people. You get so much soul and love and so much magic happening in those songs when you have seven, eight, nine people all like jamming in a room. So I, I love that you shared all that. That is super awesome. Uh, we're going to spin some more of your music here and I'm going to throw into the mix and I'll ask a little bit more about this afterwards, but a studio de accordion, which is a really cool accordion solo, which I don't think we hear enough in, in modern day music. So I'm going to throw that into the mix because it's super fun. And then when we come back, I want to hear the story about the accordion solo.
You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. All right, and we're back. I really hope you enjoyed the accordion solo. I'm sitting down with Empanadas Illegalis. You guys are so much fun. You have so many stories. There's so many people involved. I'm loving this. So why don't you tell me about the accordion solo? Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit. Uh, this uh, this song is uh, it's coming out of our first album, El Papayon. And um, really, uh, you know, how the that particular album kind of happened is, uh, you know, we had a set of songs that we really wanted to track and... Um, we ended up getting a, a, a spot in a really nice uh, nightclub here in Vancouver called Fortune Sound Club. Um, our sound engineer, Will Moriarty, he got us the, the in because he used to work there at that time. And uh, and we just, you know, had that one session that one evening. And we basically tracked all of, our, of the songs within, you know, five or six hours of that first album. Uh, and one of the, the, you know, musicians that we were actually collaborating with back in the day, um, was an excellent accordion player from uh, Caramanga, Colombia, called John Gonzalez. Um, he's now living in Montreal, actually, so fortunately we don't get to play with him uh, anymore. But uh, back then he was here with us in, um, in Vancouver, and you know, kind of, I always really wanted to to play with him and, and record with him. Uh, and I had I had the opportunity to collab with him before playing some cumbias. Uh, and, you know, given that our sound is really kind of focused on, on experimentation, I've always also wanted to, to work with John um, in uh, in adding kind of effects to, to the accordion and, and really tracking a bit of a, of a, of a solo of his. And um, so that was a good moment where, you know, we, we both had a really, one of our favorite composers is called Andres Landero, uh, which is a, a, a accordion player from San Jacinto, Colombia. Uh, and he has a style of the accordion called the uh, Accordion Sabanero. So highly recommend to check out Andres Landero, because uh, that's where a lot of our inspiration came from. Um, but yeah, so we basically just, you know, chatted with John and said, hey, John, we need to track uh, a nice accordion solo. Give us, like, give us all you got. You know, we'll add some, some crazy modulation on there, some delays. Um, and, uh, you know, just speak to us through the accordion, thinking of uh, a lot of our influences with Andres Landero and kind of the heritage cumbias. Um, and that's basically what came out in the session. It's, it's a, kind of a one take, one take. Uh, you know, song. And uh, that's what you hear is, is what we recorded, you know, and uh, that's that's all. <laughs> it's a beautiful... We'll, uh, also, oh, sorry. To, go ahead, go ahead. To connect, to connect from that, um, as Danny was saying, we, we've always... Well, We've always played with John Gonzalez. He used to live in Vancouver for a really long while. So we would go from all the way to going to the beach to play Rueda de Cumbia, to playing stages, to writing songs together, etc., etc. But then he moved to Montreal. And now for this new album, we were um, a little bit kind of missing the essence of John Gonzalez. So if you want to feel a little bit of his essence back again, you just need to listen to the new song, uh, Mensaje de John which is John Gonzalez again, who dropped us a little gem in the voicemails uh, for the band, which we pretty much just took the voicemail, mastered it, and put it in the album. And it's going back to the root of Cumbia. I feel both in the first album as in the second album, John Gonzalez segment by themselves kind of alludes towards these a very cultural, very uh, like 
the roots of what cumbia really is, and it's just a, an amazing, amazing, powerful couple of minutes or seconds. One of the only songs on our, all of our albums that are uh, a no normal time, you know, or short. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, I want to ask you about another song, because I think this one has to be my favorite title, which is... Empanada Mas Densa, which I do believe was the more dense empanada. And that is awesome. I love it. And when you listen to the song itself, it sounds more dense. Do you have any fun stories about that song? Yeah. So for, for that song, you know, I think um, I'm personally, a, you know, a collector and uh, of always looking for new music. You know, whenever I go back home to Colombia, I'm always digging for records and um, How do you this, uh, this yeah, <laughs> and so you know, this song was inspired by some uh, some old vinyls and kind of obscure Latin music that um, I was able to kind of uncover back home. And um, the, the the main baseline that kind of kicks in after, after the intro was really the that inspired by some of those digging journeys uh, back from Colombia. And so uh, you know, I kind of like hashed out that initial baseline, came up with that idea, and, and brought it to the, to the studio with uh, with the band and. Um, you know, eventually we just all workshopped it uh, after it was presented, you know, that uh, that line. And then I think Richie, our uh, guitarist, also started coming up with kind of the intro section, a little bit more of that spacey, you know, kind of different approach um, to uh, to the typical, you know, traditional um, Latin song. So th this one is definitely has a bit of a different approach and uh, in perspective yeah. relative to our uh, to our catalog. I, I remember in the studio, the way it used to go is uh, Danny, uh, he literally had had this trip to Colombia and he found these gems, uncut gems, uh, and he would bring these bass lines into the studio and it became more of this was the, the bass line that we used to kind of just either warm up or let go, you know, we're just like going for it. It was a kind of a diverging a little bit from cumbia because due to the first album we were trying to focus on cumbia, cumbia rebajada, like all of these kind of genres. Uh, and it was diverging a little bit more towards the psychedelic and towards the rock, jazz, experimental jazz kind of version of it. Uh, so every time we would play that song, it would vary, it would change every single time. And the only thing that started being constant was like the guitar solos and the saxophone solos and all the play around all these things. Until one point we decided to be like, yeah, this is, let's make this a song. And then naturally I had uh, been playing right at the same time a lot around uh, samba uh, chord progressions and jazz chord progressions. Uh, so I started doing these kind of little uh, downfall of chords coming down, uh, which is now the intro. And uh, between Alonso, Jaime and me, Tobias in the saxophone, Danny. Oh, and actually, doing... don't forget that. So, just so, sorry to interrupt, but that's actually not me on the drums. It's Adrián Avendano. Yeah, we were with Adrián, true. Who but is no, this... no, I was, I was. Oh yeah. No, I just want to mention him. He's an amazing free jazz uh, drum drummer from Vancouver. He's super talented. He used to play with us on uh, that time, years ago, and it's actually yeah. me on the congas on that song. So yeah. he's on the he drums. Recorded, he recorded the first album with us, and Alonso and Adrian would change a one-to-one -one every song, once here and there. And yes, this song was Adrian on the on the on the drums. Um, I was trying to talk about the way that the intro works because it comes out as a super soft, gentle jazz 
uh, even samba kind of tune. And little by little, we started just picking up the pace, picking up the pace. And what we're all, the only thing that we were thinking is we have to make this kind of slow down uh, kind of um, melody or, or, or chord progression to uh, elevate it towards the level of the bass line that we were jamming with, with Danny, with the inspired line. So came, I came up with all of these kind of a little a guitar section that is just evolving and evolving and going crazier and crazier and faster and faster and faster and faster. And then it just becomes a completely fully experimental free jazz. It's really free jazz at the end. And all of a sudden between all these free jazz and Jaime had some effects and I had some effects and some stuff and everything kind of goes in. It's like you dig in between and all of a sudden you hear the bass coming in with Danny and it's like just pure power. And then it goes into like, Experimental, yeah, experimental rock, jazz. There's still elements of Latin in the in, in the percussions alone, so mainly holding everything up in the congas. And then me and Tobias and Jaime were kind of playing around with the guitars and doing solos here and there and just meshing everything together. And then there's one part, which is the crazy part, that is very well-timed because we have crazy rock, uh, rock solos and then we go into this kind of discharge we call descarga in Spanish and is amazing because the saxophone comes in and then we just go back to it and then out and in and out and in and that's why we called it la empanada más densa because it's the most dense empanada because it is not regular at all especially if you if you compare it to every other song in the first album right it's just this surf rock metal jazz experimental samba Cumbia song, you know, uh, and it, it ended up being one of the best songs of the album. Personally, for me at least, I really have a lot of love for that song, and uh, I think a lot of listeners also like it. So yeah, give it a listen. Uh, it comes from the heart. Sweet, let's spin empanada mas densa.
You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You're listening to Background Noise. We had a great episode with Empanadas y la Calis. That was uh, the last song we listened to was Empanadas Mas Densa. It was a very dense empanada. It was very well. So we're going to finish up here. We're going to say goodbyes. Again, thank you guys so much for coming out today. I had so much fun talking to you. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? I want to give a shout out to some musicians that have played with us. Overall, um, someone we haven't mentioned, um, which is Andrea Milagros, who is featured in Creepy Mamba, actually, in a bunch of songs in the Maracas. And she's an amazing uh, Maraca player and also traditional Gumbia folk dancer and uh, just all around like, one of our inspirations. Who we got to meet actually because of John and because they lived in this place called the Jazz House, who also has another musician that we've played with, with called Marcelo Vieira, who, who has played percussion and flute live with us. And they've been some of the people who has su- supported us. For a while now. And if you're from Vancouver and from the jazz scene, you know what the jazz house is. It's like a legendary house where just amazing musicians live. <laughs> Thanks, and also, I guess, uh, Tora, there's only time to say thank you. Thank you for having us. It's been a terrific hour of uh, sharing some background stories, and it's, it's been a lot of fun, so thank you. And uh, to all the listeners, thank you. We hope you enjoyed our songs. And if you want to stay up to date with all of our latest developments and upcoming shows, uh, hopefully tour and near you in the coming uh, months, uh, do give us a follow on Instagram. That's our primary uh, social media. And our account is Las Empanadas Ilegales. And uh, there you can see some cool pictures of our shows. That's where we announce all of our upcoming events. So, hope to see you there. Awesome. And uh, for the listeners as well, I'll make it real easy because I will tag you guys in the post as well to the episode. So it'll be a one click to find them. And uh, I really, really look forward to see what you're doing in the future. If you guys ever come out to Edmonton, make sure you let me know because you have talked up your live show so much. And I, I want to see one so bad. Bonus points if we can make a show with the Spanish flies as well and just have a whole, a whole night. I might have to try to put this together, but. <laughs> please, please. Bring us over. Bring us over. We'd, be, we'd love to come to Edmonton. Amazing. Thank you guys again so much. And thank you to the listeners. I had so much fun. Now, before we actually go, I do want to spin one more song. This is Labitos.
And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I had a blast. Join me again next week. I'll have a fresh Canadian band. We're going to make some new noise. It'll be great. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to playlists, episodes, and so much more. See you later.